At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Uh. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday morning, November 15th, 2018. It, it is the Beating the Book podcast. Gil Alexander, Megapod time for week 11 in the NFL. Ace hasn't said it yet this year, so I'll go ahead and say it. Where has the time gone? How are we at week 11 already? The show is always brought to you by thescorex.com, T-H-E-S-C-O-R-E-X.com. It's that secret football stock market thing I've been talking about for years on the show. Again, the best, the number one, the top beating the book score Xer at the end of the regular season. We will have you on the Megapod for Wild Card Week to discuss your NFL trading success and, of course, go through the Wild Card games with you. So that is the entire goal for beating the book listeners. There's a bigger $5,000 pot, but if you haven't entered yet, probably not going to win that. But you can still win the beating the book pool. Again, that's the scorex.com. Just enter the promo code GILL. Got to do that. Promo code GILL with two L's. That's how you get into the beating the book pool. And again, you win it all. You're on the Megapod wildcard weekend. I update the stats on my Twitter at Beating the Book from time to time, so check it out. Give you the top five, courtesy of the ScoreX. That's the ScoreX.com to find all the download links. It is week 11, the one week where all the primetime games are the best games, best matchups, at least from a fan's perspective. We'll get to all of those Sunday daytime picks. And, of course, the final two questions, as always, on the show, the Staples from wagertalk.com, 39 years into business, Marco D'Angelo. Good morning, Marco. Good morning, Gil. How are you doing today? I am doing fine. Now that the technology of the podcast is working, I am ready to go. Feeling good. You know, you should get your own show because you're, you're a wizard at this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Technology proving to be hurdles everywhere. Let me just put it that way. And on my left, ladies and gentlemen, treating the Kansas City Chiefs like he treated the Seattle Seahawks back in 2013. Still fading the Chiefs. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ace. Good morning, Ace. All right. Good morning. I, that's only, I may be wrong once for this decade, so Chief fans doesn't look good. I don't think I'll be wrong twice. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It does move so quickly. Can't believe we're already betting college basketball, man. And then Thanksgiving is next week. 
does go too quickly, way too fast. Did Thanksgiving show up a little too early for everybody this it year? It did. I have. I couldn't believe it's next week when my wife said, it's, you know, uh, planning for Thanksgiving. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you getting already? And she's like, already, it's next week. Can't believe it. The 22nd, that's an early Thanksgiving. And by the way, let me just say this. We do not do a Megapod on Thanksgiving week. So everybody with the groan, I get it. Yeah, we could try to get the group together on Wednesday. It just doesn't work out Thanksgiving week. We've tried it before. People are traveling. So we just take Thursday off Thanksgiving. We, we take the week off for the Megapod. We will have guessing lines at the beginning of the week, but no Megapod next week. So we apologize in advance for that. We'll be back the following week for week 13. That has always been a Megapod tradition, if you will. Returning to the show, we love him. Back for the first time this season, the creator of thepowerrank.com. It's our friend Ed Fang. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Gil. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Ed is in snowy Ann Arbor, braving the right. weather conditions. Uh, you think Michigan is getting to the uh, college football playoff, by the way? Uh, I believe there's a good chance. Uh, last week I checked, I think it was about 50-50. Uh, but this Michigan team's on the rise. Ohio State's not quite the same program. So uh, I'm pretty optimistic uh, about their chances. Here's the thing. If, in fact, the old scenario that everybody's talking about now, I was talking about on the VEASAN show numbers game a few weeks back, if Alabama runs the table but then loses to Georgia, let's say by a field goal in the SEC championship, should Alabama be in and Michigan out, Ed? Um, No. But obviously, I'm biased, so everyone can make their own judgment about this. But what I have been meaning to do is figure out the probability that this scenario happens mm-hmm. because you need Notre Dame to, to win these next two games. You need Michigan to beat Ohio State, and, I mean, there's a pretty good chance to beat Northwestern. The chance that that scenario happens has got to be like 5%. So it's fun to talk about. Hmm. Probably not going to happen at the end of the day. Marco, I went around town. as you, oh. you were even witness to me doing this last year. I went around town before the playoff was selected betting people, saying Alabama will be in the Final Four, <laughs> just getting $100 oh, bills from everybody. <laughs> it's awesome. They'll be in. They'll oh, be one loss Alabama over Michigan? Absolutely, they'll be in. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're, they're, Alabama's not left off the ticket. I agree. But you the sad part's going to be, what do you do with Georgia? Georgia will be in, too. Right. Georgia will be in, too. Georgia wins the SEC. They're in. Yeah. So, you know, then Michigan's going to be the odd man out because if Notre Dame runs the table, yeah. they're gonna, they're in automatically because of the name. I mean, it just, you know, the schedule strength doesn't is not going to apply. And Michigan will get to – they will get to feel how Penn State felt a couple of years ago. It'll <laughs> well, be the why? exact same scenario. Go ahead, Ed. This commit – this committee has has moved conference champs that win a conference championship game over idle teams. So why isn't Notre Dame the one left out? They're going to be sitting at three. We'll assume Clemson's in. Michigan jumps Notre Dame because they win a game. Georgia jumps Notre Dame. Here's the answer to your question, Ed. Because they're Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, but I could also <laughs> say because they're Michigan, that's why they're getting in, right? No, <laughs> no, no. College football is not a meritocracy, right? It's just completely bullshit. And it's that, and and I'm not trying to be flip about it, but Marco saw me do this last year with some folks. I was so convinced Alabama would be in because I know how these people are in college football, right? It's all about the money in the end. And it's such utter bullshit in the end who they put in. And so because it's not a meritocracy, there's obviously going to be a school or schools that just get absolutely shafted. But if it's all about the money, that's in favor of Michigan because Michigan will bring the eyeballs 
wherever they go in that semifinal game. Uh, not more than Notre Dame uh, or Alabama. Yeah. Notre, Notre Dame. Mm, has, Notre Dame's that. the only team's got their own their own TV station. No. <laughs> you know they got their own contract for all of their games with NBC. Notre Dame's a lock if they if they run the table. There's no no way that they let Notre Dame out. I would be absolutely shocked. Um, if that scenario happens uh, with the Georgia Alabama game, it's going to be unfortunately Michigan odd man out. I, it's going to be the exact same thing as Penn State was. Uh, they're the same situation. They're going to win the the conference championship and all of that, and and get screwed in the end because of, of somebody else being up there. And I'll bet you a hundred dollars. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh well. <laughs> first of all, so so I I'm happy to do that. I, you're on, Gil. But but first of all, I mean I I gotta check what the number is. But there's about a thirty percent chance, probably a little bit less, that Georgia actually pulls that upset off. Yeah, we so, will we'll revisit uh, it only in that scenario. We, we got obviously a long way to go. And, we got a long and, way and to Gil, go. Yes, sir. That is the biggest topic of conversation in Ann Arbor. I'm sure but, it is. I'm sure it well, is. Well, before the basketball game last night, we yeah, know, that's, that's kind of taken up the airspace this morning. I understand. And it's no disrespect, by the way, to Michigan and the alumni, because I grew up in D.C. For whatever reason, when I grew up in D.C., and maybe it's still the case now, but Michigan is a huge school for D.C. high school graduates. So I have a bunch of friends who went to Michigan. And let me just say this. To a man, they still, decades later, love everything Michigan. Like, they hold Michigan above everything else in their lives over any pro sports team. So I respect Michigan. It's just how college football works. Uh, We'll see how it happens. If, in fact, that scenario materializes. Let's talk NFL. Gentlemen, this is one unbelievable series of primetime games beginning and let's do it from reverse monday night not only the best game the marquee game of the weekend but the marquee game of the nfl schedule from maybe the outset of the nfl schedule it's the chiefs and the rams now the biggest story in the league this week of course was the fact that this was originally intended to be played at estadio azteca in mexico city the field conditions were such that even the national football league led by Roger Goodell, who is hell-bent on absolutely proliferating this sport globally, hell-bent on having the three games in London and the game in Mexico City for his international series. They would have done anything not to move this game. But even they had to when the field was such, caused by concerts, caused by soccer games and weather, just unplayable. Players on both teams threatened not to play if, in fact, they kept it at Estadio Azteca. And so they had no choice. The NFL didn't. And the game is now in L.A. The number moves from 2.5 to 3.5 on that move to L.A. in favor of the homestanding Rams. No Cooper Cup for the Rams. He's out for the season. And you have two high-octane offenses, two Even in the Rams' case, two very sort of beatable defenses, suspect defenses. The total, therefore, informed by that, 63.5. It is the highest total in the National Football League since as far back as 1986. At least that's as far back as a reliable database goes uh, for some who have uh, investigated this passionately 63 and a half right now it's 63 or 63 and a half depending on where you're shopping the total did not move once it went from mexico city to los angeles that's somewhat curious we begin as always with our guest mr fang from the power rank what you got here 
Hey, Gil, uh, you got to make sure that next time I'm at your house to build you a statue of Roger Goodell. I know how much you love the guy. <laughs> That's right. I'm a big fan. Are you always on when I go on a Goodell rant? Is that always you that happens to be on? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I listen to you otherwise, oh, Gil. I appreciate it. <laughs> when I'm on the show. I appreciate it. I know you love the man. Yes, big fan. Not. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, this is obviously the Super Bowl of the regular season. Very exciting game. Um, the thing, my number has uh, Rams by 5.2, and that's adjusted for now. They're playing in their, their home field. I'm surprised the markets have only moved a point uh, with that. You know, when I do home field, it's about two and a half points over the last five years. Uh, sorry, two and a half points. I said that right. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really strikes me uh, about this game are the defenses. I mean, we know that we knew that we know these offenses can score. We know that they can move the ball. And it's really a story of the defense. And. When I uh, do my numbers, I have the Rams as about a league average uh, defense. And um, for Kansas City, that's really not the case. Uh, when I look at uh, – I, I look at defense in two different ways. I look at yards per pass attempt adjusted for strength of schedule. And they're 12th in that category, which makes you think that maybe the Chiefs' defense is okay. But what I've been doing this year, and, and this is new for me, is, is looking at success rate. So success rate is uh, you know an offense that succeeds if – if you get half of the yards on first down, 70% on second down, and all the necessary yards on third and fourth down. Uh, and then what I do is I take that raw success rate and I adjust for strength of schedule. And Kansas City is 31st out of 32 NFL teams on defense by that metric. Wow. So the – I mean, I see here two elite offenses, a Rams defense that's about the middle of the league, could be better. Uh, kind of have – you got to have some – faith uh in that unit because because they've been good and and then a kansas city defense that's really struggling so i really i like the rams in this game uh i would definitely lean towards them on the side and um 63 is a pretty high total wasn't didn't that super bowl between atlanta and new england get into the 60s did it i can't remember offhand i want to say it was like 61 or 62 and and whenever you see a number like that in the nfl i mean you almost always want to lean the under my numbers like the under a little bit but Again, that's that's always an iffy proposition with with just so, such explosive offenses. Uh, I am efforting the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl total at that time. New England was favored by three. That much I remember. Uh, as far as what the total was, the total in that game was. I know I had an under bet in that and uh, saw that blow up with the the meltdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And plus, like you know, Tom Brady throws a pick six in that game too, and I think it would have gone under without that play, right? I'm seeing, so, yeah, I'm seeing fifty eight and a half, but I don't know if that's where it closed. No, you know 60, that that sixty one and a half was the highest total uh, that we've ever had in the NFL prior to this, and I don't remember which game it was, but I. Yeah. Ralph had ran it through the da- our data. Yeah, it was the Rams. The Rams, I think, wasn't it? A couple years when they had that greatest show on turf team. They no, no, no. But what, what about that um, that Packers Falcons playoff game that same year that the Falcons went to the Super Bowl? I remember that one being in the close to the '60s as well, but not '63. That I think is. Uh... That's the high watermark, 63, 63 and a half as we do this on Thursday morning between the Chiefs and the Rams. I was talking about this game with uh, the producer of my Behind the Book video series that I do with Jay Rude, the vice president at MGM Race and Sports, uh, every week. Matt Brown is his name, and Matt and I were talking about this Chiefs-Rams game, and we were saying, okay, well, you know both coaches are going to go in with this attitude on offense. At first, I think one thought for Sean McVay and Andy Reid will be, well, look, we want to keep the other offense off the field, so let's run the ball. Let's try to make a concerted effort to run the ball. 
with uh, Kareem Hunt and Todd Gurley, respectively. But then the sort of second thought would would probably be, okay, even if they start that way, they're going to realize that they can just destroy the opposing defense so much that why are they even bothering with that if they can just matriculate quickly down the field? So I don't even know if that's a strategy that even is sustainable or even is something that will hold any water for more than five minutes. It's an interesting game to even think about, and I have no real feel as to how it's going to go. Marco, what do you think? Well, for me, uh, you know, I agree with the Rams being the side in this one because I know Kansas City, you know, we're getting a little bit of false hope with Kansas City. People are talking the last, you know, four weeks, you know, look, uh, their defense is playing better all of a sudden now. You know, they only gave up 10, 23, 21, and 14, and, you know, the Rams are giving up in 30s. They give up 45 to the Saints. Well, let's just stop for a second and look at what Kansas City has played. Kansas City in the last four games, they played a Cincinnati team the week after they were beat up by the Steelers physically and then that last second loss. Then they played Denver, who has just you know shot themselves in the foot all year. They played Cleveland and Arizona, two of the you know worst teams in the league, you know offensive, uh, not a threat. You flip that over and you look at the Rams, and if you look by just what points they're giving up, yeah, the Rams are giving up more points per game. But look at the rundown of offenses and quarterbacks that they have faced. They faced Phillip Rivers. They faced Kirk Cousins, uh, Russell Wilson twice. They faced Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Come on, you can't even compare the lineups of what the two defenses have faced uh, in this one. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Rams in this game. I'm also going to take the, the over. I know it's the squarest bet on the board. But, guys, the, we're having a changing of the guard. And until Vegas finds what that new you know, high uh, watermark is, I'm going to go to the over. And I know that you know, the Sharps are going to come in. They're going to bet the under because that's what they do because they, don't, they just don't see teams scoring this many points. But, guys, we've seen it move on the bottom end. You know, you don't see 37 and 38s in the NFL anymore. You don't see 41s that often anymore. They're, they're moving the lines up. But yet, you know, when you get to the top end, there's that ceiling. Where do we stop at? I don't think this is high enough. I, I see this game, both teams getting into the 30s. Um, I actually have uh, the Rams getting to 40 in this one, and I was hoping this game was going to stay in Mexico because uh, I would have liked it even more. I know the field conditions wouldn't have been conducive, but I was looking forward to seeing these two teams play the fourth quarter with both defenses gassed from going up and down the field watching each other or trying to you know stop each other and then play in that fourth quarter uh, you know with the fatigue factor. Guys would just be breaking plays open left and right. But I'm still going over the total, and I like the Rams. Not to mention 67 or 68-yard field goal attempts down in the elevation of Mexico City. It should be noted that the Rams are practicing in Colorado Springs. They were practicing in the elevation of Colorado in preparation for the game in Mexico City. They decided to hang out there, practice the rest of the week, before they head back to Los Angeles for this one. Murderer's row of opposing quarterbacks, though. It's an excellent point from you, Marco. Uh, The Rams do want to clean up the penalties, though. That's for sure. Ten penalties last week against the Seahawks for 102 yards many of which were just ridiculous, stupid defensive penalties that kept Seahawks' drive sustained. So if they can clean that up, that's another sort of check in the Rams' box. Ace. You know what's really surprising with this matchup? 
that I mean, and here's the bottom line with these two teams. They're both sitting at nine and one, and there's a re- simple reason why Kansas City's eight and two against the spread, and the Rams are only four and six against the spread. And the the reason for that is because coming into the season, everyone was well aware that the Rams were going to be one of the elite teams in the NFL. Um, you looked at future odds, you looked at season win totals, and they were in the top three of the NFL. And any time that's already established, um, they're going to put out a, a very difficult line, meaning you're not going to really be able to turn a profit off those top-tier teams when we go into the season knowing about them. And we touch on it all, on the podcast all the time. The one team that's been able to do that consistently, there's only been one. That's the New England Patriots, where even though Every year going in, uh, you know, the market concludes they will be competitive and elite. Uh, they're still able to outperform the betting market. Um, usually you can't, and the Rams are a perfect example of that. 9-1 um, and one straight up, 4-6 and six against the spread. Like I say, the spread becomes a great equalizer when betting sports. We usually know whether Team A or Team B is better in most cases. Now, Kansas City, they're 8-2 for the simple reason nobody saw them coming. Look what their season win total was coming into the season. Um, and they caught most by surprise. Um, and I think that's why you're looking at such a great ATS record. Um, I, I think there's, there's value here on the Rams. Um, the fact that they're playing at home now and getting almost no respect uh, as far as the, the, the line goes for that adjustment from Mexico City to L.A., that alone, I, I think, gives you some line value. I don't think they, they adjusted enough. Um, but I also like the total here. But real quickly, I wanted to add what surprises me, and I wanted to know what you guys thought. It, prior to the season, this line for this game, and, and granted, it was in Mexico City, was three. Rams minus three. Um, and, and like I said, coming in, Everyone, no one's surprised that the Rams are nine and one, but uh, I think a, a lot of people are surprised KC's nine and one, and yet the line's pretty much right where it would have been prior to the season. That to me is a little bit surprising. Um, but I want to get to the total real quickly. And for me, I think it's, it's, again, if you bet the under, you're going to be holding your breath. I understand that. These are two high-profile offenses, and that's usually the case. Um, but real quickly, I always say when you got two great defenses or two great offenses, it usually creates the perfect storm for the opposite to happen. You know, when you got two great defenses, it's the perfect storm for an over because more times than not, the line shaded towards the bias of a low scoring game um so you got line value and then you couple that with two good defenses and and defense turns gets turnovers um you know some some three and outs and then short drives and up and down the field could happen it doesn't necessarily mean a a no score uh, or low scoring game and i think it's the same with with the the high scoring high profile offenses I mean, I don't think a a shootout's what you go in there wanting to happen. If anything, you want to see that other team's offense on the sideline if that's the strongest part of their team. Um, So i got to give the Rams a little advantage there on the game planning. But finally, for the total, listen, this is the highest we've ever seen. So for me, it's it's an under or you got to pretty much leave it alone. And I agree with Marco. It's the changing of the guard, and it's a different NFL. Um, But the fact that they didn't adjust this total when it moved location, from a field we already know was terrible tells you that they're not really even sure 
where to put this total. They're waiting for the market to tell them, and none of the betting syndicates that I provide accounts for have touched the side or the total yet in this game. So they're just leaving it where it is and see what's going to happen because they, they expect the market to bet the over. But remember, when you're going over 63, and, and, and if you look at Kansas City, only four of their 10 games have gone over 63. If you look at the Rams, only four of their 10 games have gone over the 63. Um, I mean, combined, they're 10 overs, nine unders, and a push. You know, it's not like they've been flying over in their games. If you bet the over for both these teams, you haven't made any money. And again, when you go over 63, nothing can go wrong, meaning they have to score more than two touchdowns every quarter. One eight-minute drive, and your probability of cashing that ticket just drops significantly. Now, again, they could score real quickly in bunches. I get it. But until I see it happen on the field, I just can't go over a number like 63. It's unprecedented. So for me, it's, it's under, and I like the Rams. A little disagreement on the, on the total, but I get it. It's like I said, my conversation with uh, my buddy Matt, it's like you'd think they'd come in wanting to keep the other offense off the field for long, sustained drives, and then I think they'll quickly realize they can just torch the opposing defenses. But it's a good point, Ace. Uh, when you have a total that high, it does bear saying at least once one long drive can really put you behind the eight ball on and over. I, I hear both sides. Or, you know, a seven-minute drive that, yeah, that, that results in a turnover in that's the red right. zone. That's right. And a missed field goal. As I was said, a field goal in this game with a total like that is, is sort of like a turnover, right? A missed field goal for sure is a turnover. But even a field goal is sort of a notch against going over that number. All that said... I'm not betting the under either. I'm with you, Marco. <laughs> yeah, you're holding your breath, man. Yeah, I don't usually know. Usually those bets, those bets that are the hardest to make usually cash the easiest. And the ones you're most confident with are like me last week, you know, what I, uh, or what was it, two weeks ago, my most confident, and, you know, they end up losing by 30. So Yeah, such a, such a fun game to watch this is going to be. And uh, I don't know, I like the Rams yeah. side as well myself. Hey, Ace, one thing. Uh, so you had that, that uh, preseason at three. That's got to be a neutral site spread, right? So correct, 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 correct. Two and a half correct. or three, so that's probably like six. You know, at the beginning of the season, I would have made the seven and a half for the Rams. So that's certainly In, in L.A., but, but prior to the season, we knew it was in Mexico, right? Mexico right, City. I would have made it in L.A., seven and a half. In, in Mexico City prior to the season? No, 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 in, in L.A. In L.A.? Yeah. Seven and a half, and you make their home field what? Two, two and a half? Two and a half. Okay, so in Mexico City, it would have been five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that makes sense to me. That makes yeah, sense. No, exactly. three we thought Kansas City was league average-ish. We thought Rams were a Super Bowl contender, and I mean, it shows, exactly. you, shows you what Kansas City's done. Let's move on, gentlemen. Sunday night, flexed in. The Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. Flexed out, by the way, Pittsburgh-Jacksonville. You can credit Jacksonville for that credit in quotes <laughs> yeah definitely uh, <laughs> not this <laughs> minnesota at chicago nfc north battle between the six and three bears and the five three and one vikings interesting that when we talk about you know and i've talked about it for months now that it's saints rams in the nfc it's patriots chiefs in the afc though the chargers and the steelers will have something to say about that especially after seeing the patriots play last week but the team that no one sort of talks about anymore, and this was the team that before the season started, some people were already not even penciling in, but they were doing it in more permanent ink, putting the Minnesota Vikings, exalting the Vikings to the top of the conference. 5-3-1. and one. They still have an 
outstanding defense, a defense that is tops on third downs, uh, according to uh, my buddies over at Onside Sports, opposing offenses are averaging 8.6 yards to go on third downs against the Vikings, which is the equivalent of the Vikings basically turning opposing offenses into the Buffalo Bills offense, because that's exactly what the Bills average yards to go on third downs on offense. So the Vikings have been unbelievable, and by the way, the opposing offense third down rate as a result, it follows, is by far the lowest in the league. Uh, right at around 25%, if memory serves me correctly. It's 20-something, mid-20s. But here's the thing. Mitch Trubisky, last week, 355 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks, 148.6 passer rating out of a total of 158.3. Great game. And everybody's going crazy about Trubisky all of a sudden. But I'm not buying him for a second. He's a dinker and a dunker. And here now he faces the Vikings defense. Bears did snap that division drought, their uh, first victory over a division opponent since Halloween of 2016. Ten in a row they had lost against division opponents. So that snapped. But it's the Vikings here, and the Bears are the home team giving right now as we do this Thursday morning. It's two and a half consensus. Mark, how do you feel about this one? Well, Gil, one of the things I thought you were going to point out is because of the flex in Chicago's, uh, you know, Jacksonville's ineptness in Chicago becoming a, you know, a player in the playoffs, uh, this gets moved in, and it is actually a huge disadvantage to Chicago. They're in a quandary here where they played Detroit last week. Yes, they get to stay home two weeks in a row, so that helps. But they're going to turn around off of this Sunday night game, which, you know, is going to be finishing late and turn around and play on a Thursday. Not a Thursday night like most teams turn around, but Thursday at noon on the road. So uh, tough, uh, you know, problem for them after this, and this is such a big game. And to complicate that, Minnesota's coming off a bye. So all of the advantages as far as intangibles go are in Minnesota's favor. Um, Add to the scheduling problems, you know, figure Minnesota, as you've talked about, their defense has been getting better and better, and they've now had two weeks to prepare. Their uh, defense, Minnesota, during the last five games, they're 4-1 straight up, 4-1 and one against the spread, and they've held four of those five opponents to 21 points or less. The only team that scored more than that on Minnesota during that recent run was the Saints, who is the team right now that is at the top of the heap as far as flavor of the week goes because they've earned it. They've done nothing wrong, and this team's a scoring machine. But if you do go back to that game and remember it, Minnesota was up 13-10 to and driving right before the half with an opportunity to take a 20-10 to lead that would have changed the whole complexion of that game. But the Thielen fumble uh, consequently uh, gave Minnesota uh, the turnover, excuse me, New Orleans the turnover, and they punched it in for a touchdown, went the other direction. So it was a 14-point swing in that game. I think Minnesota's the side here. I'm taking Minnesota. I've got them winning the game 24-20. But where I'm going to be even more, Gil, and, you know. I know where you're going. 2008, <laughs> pull up 2008 calling, man. They're, they're calling me. This is a low over-under of 44 and a half because we've got – defensive teams here i'm getting two and a half i'm taking the six on top of it yeah going through the numbers of three four six and seven like you're supposed to do in a traditional teaser and that's me and uh if you look at the bears the last two weeks and this is what scares me with the bears they they've won the games 
They're putting up big numbers, but you cannot continue to live in the NFL rushing the football for 64 and 54 yards. Trubisky needs more balance against the good defense. And uh, if they can't find the running game uh, this week, they'll be in big trouble. I am all about the Minnesota Tees. I'm with you. And that is an interesting uh, point, obviously, the main point of the Bears here, when you look at it from the Bears' perspective. It will be about, I'm going to say, around 84 hours between when they leave the field against the Vikings and take the field early Thursday morning on Thanksgiving. So that is an amazingly quick turnaround for an NFL football team. And in previous years, let's say they were playing some kind of patsy team here. We would talk about it being a total look ahead and that if they had a big number, you know, you should never play the favorite here because obviously they're going to be thinking about that Thursday game. Maybe they rest players late and don't cover a big spread. But that's not the case here. They're playing the Minnesota Vikings, arguably their biggest game of the year to date. So tough position for the Chicago Bears to be in here. Cody Parkey, by the way, of the Bears, it should be mentioned, hit four consecutive uprights on two extra points and two field goals last week. I don't know that that means anything. In fact, I know it doesn't mean anything, but that's pretty damn incredible. The Bears' defense sacked Matt Stafford last week six times. Khalil Mack had two of them. Khalil Mack back from his ankle injury, of course. He'll be in the lineup for the Bears as well. Ace. Yeah, you, you, listen, this game's huge. I mean, you got first-place implications, and you're absolutely right. I mean, Minnesota's that team that nobody's really talking about right now um, because they haven't been all that impressive. I mean, remember losing that game of 16, 17-point favorites against Buffalo, and, and it was kind of forget about Minnesota, look elsewhere. But they're sitting at 5-3 and three and coming off a bye, and this is as big of a game for them as possible. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. This would be the perfect letdown spot with what Chicago has on deck, but they're not going to overlook um, Minnesota. The problem with Chicago is simple. It's not a team you really want to back um, as a favorite. I mean, they've done well this year, 4-0 against the spread, but coming into this year, I think they've covered once as a home favorite in like their last seven or eight games. Um, so not a team you really want to be giving points, more you want to be getting points with a team like Chicago. Um, and Minnesota's owned them. I mean, this is a series that's been one-sided of late. Um, So I like that Minnesota side for sure. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, um, Minnesota plus three and under 45 is the hot sides. You know, that that every group that I give accounts to race to get that, to get the plus three, even at juice, and to get the under 45, um, multiple hit it. So, I mean, that's a legit move, and I agree with it. Um, You're going to see a a lot of of one dimension, and Marco nailed it. Um, In today's NFL, you just can't do that. You need more balance. I hope Minnesota comes out and runs the football um, and slows it down for us because I I think this has a good shot of of cash inside end total. Minnesota plus the three, now two and a half, and the under for sure. So I agree with both those hot sides. Allen Robinson last week for the Bears, six catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns. Anthony Miller for the Bears, five catches, 122 yards, and a touchdown. But the Bears coming off two romps, 41-9 to over Buffalo at Buffalo, and then they scored on their first four possessions to grab a 26 to nothing lead against the Lions last week before holding on. This ain't the Bills or the Lions. Ed? Yeah, so Ch- Chicago's a team that I've been watching all season uh, with, with Mitch Trubisky. And um, I've been kind of contrasting my adjusted yards per play with my adjusted success rate. And earlier in the season, you know, they were top eight 
in terms of passing success rate, but in the lower half of the NFL in terms of yards per attempt. And this is exactly the dink and dunk stuff that you were talking about, Gil. And the game I like to point to is the, I think it was a Monday night game against Seattle, where, I mean, Seattle's defense couldn't stop them. Uh, nothing explosive, but just like just grinding out first downs. Uh, and they won that game pretty handily. Trubisky's completion rate was up near 70%. Everything's kind of uh, regressed to the mean since then. He's down to 65% completion. Uh, I'm looking at their success rate now. You know, it's still a respectable ninth. So, like, yeah, everything you said, Gil, about about their their offense and um, you know when I when I run the numbers, I, th- I think inevitably the markets are going to be a little bit too far in Chicago side just with the two results that you've talked about. Uh, my numbers definitely lean towards Minnesota. Um, I don't really love the side just because I just don't know what's going on with this Minnesota team. They came in as a Super Bowl contender. They look kind of mediocre both on the offensive and defensive of the ball um, by my numbers. So, um, and you know, my number has it right at 44 and a half for, for the total. So this is, this is one I would lean Minnesota side, but otherwise would stay away from. All right. Everybody sort of leaning and even stronger conviction than leaning on the Vikings, myself included. Let's go to Sunday day games. Ace, you got dips. Yeah, I do like a lot this week. I'm going to go something different. I haven't given a total all season, so I'm going to go with a total this week. I mean, I have some sides jumping out. Uh, let's go Carolina and Detroit. Um, you can't look worse than Carolina did uh, last Thursday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, at least defensively. And, in fact, all the quotes coming out of Carolina was just how humbled they got um, by the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in that game, allowing you know 319 yards, but more importantly, 23 of 27 passing for the Steelers. I mean, pretty much perfect, and just ran the ball down their throats as well 30 times for 138 yards. So I, I think that defense is really being called out this week um, and I think they're much better uh, than what they showed and against a Detroit team that their trajectory's just been downhill um, since that win against Miami in mid-October I mean there's a team that's lost to Seattle Minnesota Chicago back-to-back divisional games on the road and they have Chicago up next on a short week um, and again the, the problem with Detroit is they can't run the football and if you can't run the football and you're just dropping back to pass, you make it really easy for a defense. So I see Carolina running it down their throats, um, killing, eating up a lot of clock, and Detroit having problems putting up points, kind of like against Minnesota, against Seattle, where they were able to put up 9 and 14 respectively in both those games. Um, it's got that kind of matchup written all over it, but then you look on the flip side quickly on Detroit team, it's a defense that, isn't great, but other than that, Chicago 34, they, they haven't given up all that many points, you know, keeping teams below that 30. Um, and if they could do that, this game will stay under that 49 and a half, 50, wherever it sits right now. We bet it under 51. Um, as soon as the line came out, there was a race to that under, and I agree with that move immediately. I got down. I still think there's value at under. Just get it before it drops even lower. Under on the Carolina-Detroit game, that total right now, let's call it 49 and a half right now across the board lions at home early on sunday what's your game ed yeah you know i'm gonna go with the thursday night game here um we're looking at green bay at seattle and i don't really know why seattle is such a favorite uh, well i guess we should start with green bay uh i know this team has some issues uh i mean they haven't been great on defense and offense given the fact that they have aaron Rodgers hasn't really impressed and everyone wants mike mccarthy out 
at least in the Packers fan base. And and I kind of get it. It's kind of one of these relationships that's gone on too long and everyone could use a fresh start. But on the other side of the ball, I mean, I thought of Seattle as a slightly below average NFL team before the season started. And the numbers completely confirm that. So they're about a half a point below NFL average uh, by the numbers that I save for members of my site. And, um, you know, I would actually make Green Bay one point favorite on the road here. I don't really see any injury situation that makes me change my mind. I don't I don't I don't know if is Seattle just getting credit for staying close to the Rams last week. I mean, they've lost their last two games. Um, so Green Bay side, I think it's plus two and a half right now uh, at at Seattle. Uh, it's plus three. I definitely like plus three uh, in this Thursday night game. Green Bay over tease for me, Marco. Green Bay over. Uh, by the way, all five of Seattle's losses have come by one score this year. Aaron Rodgers, 17 touchdown passes, one pick, despite playing with the sprained knee. And the uh, Packers have definitely found something in Aaron Jones. They knew it was coming. It was only a matter of time. But Aaron Jones, 145 yards rushing, two touchdowns last week against the Dolphins in the Packers' 31-12 to win. He leads the NFL with 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, back-to-back losses to the Chargers and the and the Rams. The Seahawks have allowed 7.3 yards per carry and 6.5 yards per carry. So expect a uh, healthy dose of Aaron Jones tonight. On the other hand, by the way, Seattle, they have found their running game. They lead the NFL in rushing in yards per game. Even found Rashad Penny last week. Uh, their never-ending turnstile of running backs in Seattle. Seahawks favored by three. Ed is on Green Bay. Marco. Yep, I agree with the old uh, Green Bay, Minnesota teaser, the black and blue division. Uh, I like it. Time teaser. I like it. Uh, take it. As Ace would say, it's free money, printing money. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to a uh, team. I'm going to go opposite a team that I've been uh, riding for a while and been, you know, popping off about their uh, win record. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's putting the stat up on the Chargers that since week blah, 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 they got the best record well we talked about that three weeks ago here on the show and they're now 17 and four straight up their last 21 games you look at it but now i'm gonna go the other way oh now everybody's talking about the chargers and they're the fashionable sleeper and look out for them because here they come well let's break them down a little bit further i always pointed out that that 17 and four mark before losses came to new england kc last year in the Rams and KC this year. Four very good teams, obviously, uh, with their four losses. So this is a team that, you know, you take those four out, man, they're 17-0. and 0. But let's look at the wins this year. And people are just overlooking the fact that the Chargers right now have had a pretty soft schedule that they've run through with this winning streak. They've won six in a row. In that six-game streak, you had San Francisco, you had Oakland, that I can't even call a football team right now. You had Cleveland. You beat your best winning team that you beat was Tennessee, and that was in London on a bonehead decision to go for two when that game should have went to overtime. Tennessee had all the momentum in the second half of that game. And then they beat Seattle, who's barely a winning team, and then Oakland again. Uh, I think Denver has a great shot here. Nobody's talking about them. This line's too high, in my opinion. Because the Rams and San Diego, I still call them San Diego, the two L.A. teams have the least home field advantage of any of the NFL teams. And right now the Chargers have the least. 
because you go to, you know, nobody's going to the games. Uh, Denver is coming off their bye. They're the better you know, defense right now. I got to take the points. You give me the points with the better defense, and given the schedule that the Chargers have faced, when you say that in recent weeks Case Keenum's going to be the toughest quarterback that you've you've faced, uh, they did face Russell Wilson. I'll, I'll retract that. That's not saying a big statement. I'm going with Denver plus the points, and uh, you'll be hearing me say Denver a second time when you ask me another question. Den- <laughs> Denver catching seven here at Los Angeles at StubHub Center. It's not a stadium. It's not an arena. It's a center. Chargers, though, for everybody who says uh, you know they don't have home field, they tend to win there quite often, but they tend to win everywhere, as you point out, Marco. Uh, and the Chargers do get the Cardinals at home next week. So the Chargers on the cusp, if they can get by the Broncos and the Cardinals, of being 9-2, and two, the team that that move from Mexico City to Los Angeles potentially benefited the most is the L.A. Chargers, who makes it that much more likely the Chiefs lose that game, as they have to now actually play at the Rams' home field. And if that's the case, if the Chiefs lose there, Chargers win. Chargers one game back. Chiefs do have the tiebreaker, though, having beaten the Chargers earlier this season, and they have the second head-to-head at home. But just saying, the Chargers will only be one game back in the standings. It is not fait accompli that as great as the Chiefs have been, that they win this division. Still in the driver's seat, but I'm just saying, that move from Estadio Azteca in Mexico City to Los Angeles could potentially have helped the Chargers more than anybody. All right, gentlemen, before we get to the uh, Thursday Night Thoughts, and Ed's already given his Thursday Night Thoughts, remember, support for the show, as always, comes to us from bookmaker.eu, bookmaker.eu, a staple of my betting arsenal. It should be for you as well. It has been an industry leader for close to 30 years. Bookmaker.eu, professional players consider them a must because they're first to post odds, they take the highest limits, and they pride themselves on never having kicked out a winning player. Never. It does not happen. That is a combination of traits that is priceless in this day and age. Bookmaker is a high-volume sports book, best suited for the sophisticated player who understands sports betting, also caters to large recreational players, and their motto is where the lines originate. Chances are your sports book follows their line. Again, they're making markets and replays. Will replays be overturned? You could have bet there as to whether or not that game would have been moved from Mexico City to L.A. The no was plus 195 early on Tuesday. People made a quick nickel doing that. It's bookmaker.eu slash gill if you want to join right now and claim an exclusive 100% welcome bonus of up to $300. That's bookmaker.eu slash G-I-L-L to join and claim your welcome bonus of up to $300. I swear by it, bookmaker.eu. Check it out, and again, bookmaker.eu slash gill to get that welcome bonus all right thursday night ed we got your thoughts you like the packers marco yeah i lead to the packers in the game this is one where uh where i really like more though in this one i tease the packers but i like the under in this game short week Mm. i think you're gonna see uh, both teams try to run the football a little bit i'm taking under as we see these primetime games get pumped up on the total and i think it's too high Based on Rams-Seattle. This is not Rams-Seattle. Ace, this is a really good Thursday night game because both teams need it. The proverbial must-win situation. Packers, 4-4-1, four, four and one, and the Seahawks, 4-5. and five. I would argue that the Packers' schedule moving forward is a little easier. Seahawks still have a gauntlet here the rest of the way. Seahawks caught a huge break that Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt because if he was still playing for the Niners, it would be a horrific nine-game stretch 
to close the season, or maybe they have an easy game late, but uh, basically a really tough schedule. They had to play the Chargers and the Rams. They got the Packers here. They got another tough game at Carolina next week. Huge in terms of playoff possibilities, the outcome of this one. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I agree with Marco. I, I like the under in this game also. I think it's one of those matchups where you're going to see just a lot of running the football from both of these teams. Even though you have two great quarterbacks, I think you're going to see a lot of, of trying to establish the run, not just come out throwing the football, because both have had success doing that. Um, you look both of these teams, especially over the last four weeks, Seattle's really run the football well. Um, and you look at, uh, I mean, uh, Green Bay the last four weeks and Seattle the entire season pretty much, um, except for that game against Chicago uh, where they lost by a touchdown. They, they've been running the football really well. So I think you're going to see more of that tonight, and hopefully that clock keeps ticking and we could get a lower-scoring game. I agree with Marco. Let's go under Green Bay-Seattle. All right, total at 49 right now in this ball game tonight. All right, gentlemen, final two questions. I've had to uh, doctor this first one because there are just not that many candidates. The big favorite most likely to lose outright. i got to drop this down to five and a half as a parameter to include four games. So there's New Orleans, Ed. New Orleans, eight and a half point favorites at home against the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. New Orleans, Marco. Teaser alert. Uh, The Chargers, seven point favorites at home against the Broncos. Teaser alert, Chargers. Arizona, how bad are the Raiders that the Arizona Cardinals are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Oakland? And then um, the game that was flexed out, Pittsburgh, five-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against three-and-six Jacksonville, an AFC divisional playoff rematch, if you will, at Jacksonville. Which of those big favorites, the biggest on the board anyway, is the most likely to lose outright, in your opinion, Ed? Yeah, I'm going to go with New Orleans uh, losing to Philly. Uh, Philly's clearly been a disappointment, a little bit of Super Bowl hangover, uh, kind of look average on both sides of the ball. Uh, but when you look at New Orleans, yeah, so they can definitely move the ball. But after a brief blip last year of having an average defense, they're back to the bottom of the league. They're 30th in, when I look at adjusted yards per play, they're 29th in adjusted success rate for the defense. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Marshawn Latimer is not playing as well. I mean, he was kind of the rookie that came in last year at cornerback. And, uh, you know, my, my numbers uh, make New Orleans about a five-point favorite here. So, uh, and, I, I, you know, I just can just see this as a game that Philly goes in and, and, and wins this game outright. Okay. Um, going with the Saints is the team most likely to lose outright. should be pointed out that the uh, Eagles-Saints, Broncos-Chargers, and Raiders-Cardinals, three games that we just mentioned among those four, are the three afternoon games. So every game this weekend of the early games, every game Sunday morning, four points spreads or lower every single game, with the exception of the game that got flexed out, the other one in this uh, equation, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, which is now an early game. Marco, which is the uh, favorite of the biggest ones most likely to lose outright? Well, as I said, I like Denver a lot. I think they have a good chance to go in there and pull the upset. Off of the bye week, you know, I like to take teams that went into the bye week ugly, you can't go into the bye week any uglier than uh, Denver did. And, you know, so you know they should be focused and prepared and to give their best effort and be in a division game. And really, um, as far as the coach goes, I really think uh, Vance Joseph is uh, coaching for his job here. Right? If there's no seat hotter than his in the NFL right now. And, uh, you know, they lose this one uh, out of the break and that. I, I don't know if Denver's a team that uh, – 
franchise that likes to fire midseason, but this would be uh, the candidate for it to happen. Jeez, how many coaching openings are there going to be the day after this season ends? <laughs> ten. Well, you might even get an offer. There might be ten openings. Literally, there might be ten. Because there's going to be some teams that you don't expect, like maybe a Dallas or a Seattle or a Baltimore or a Washington if they don't make the playoffs. Baltimore. Yeah. John Harbaugh rumored to be on the uh, on the hot seat as well. We'll see. Uh, Ace, same question. Which of the big favorites of the biggest, anyway, those four, is the most likely to lose outright? I'm going with the Chargers, <clears throat> too. I think Denver's live in this game. Um, Chargers look great, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, winning six straight games, covering four of their last five. But if you look at Denver, um, even in their losses, if you look over the last few, I mean, throw out the, the Jets game um, and at the road at Baltimore, but they've lost close games, meaning at, against Houston, that was a game they only lost by two. Against Arizona, they beat them. Against the, the Rams at home, only lost that one by three. Um, even against Kansas City, only by a touchdown. So they're able to hang in the games. And if you're able to do that, you're obviously able to win a game. And I think Denver's that one that could throw a wrench and, and ruin a lot of teasers on Sunday. We saw last week, right out of the gate, a couple of those favorites went down and, and eliminated all the exotics for the books. Um, this one, I think, has the makings of, of helping them out, too. I could see Denver winning this one. Let's not forget, they got embarrassed last time went into San Diego, lost that game 21 nothing, got shut out. Never want that to happen, so maybe a little extra incentive. I'll take Denver in this one. All right, 13 games in the NFL this week, gentlemen. Six teams on bye. Of those 13 games, let's say we lived in a world. Now, Cincinnati and Baltimore does not have a line. I should point that out. The reason there is no line for the Cincinnati-Baltimore game is because we don't know if Joe Flacco is going to play. Joe Flacco with hip injuries. Uh, so no decision on whether he will be behind center for the Ravens or if it will be Lamar Jackson, the Ravens' first-round pick from this year, if he will be behind center. Or, ladies and gentlemen, party like it's no. 2012. Could it no. be? No. Could no. it be? Robert Griffin III behind center for the Baltimore Ravens. And if it's RG3, you know that this spread is going to be like minus 24 or something in favor of the Ravens. Something like that. I'm thinking. No? No, not minus 24? All right. Maybe I got that part wrong. Can I swing by and get whatever it is you're on? Because I need some of that. I'm on steroids for my arm, by the way, right now. So maybe 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 I was wrong about that. Anyway, so there's no line for that. But of the other games, the other 12... If you had to pick a side in every one of them, but you were allowed one pass, maybe maybe it is Cincinnati-Baltimore if it was Lamar or Robert Griffin. I don't know. Maybe we throw that into the mix. Which would it be, though, Ed? Yeah, thanks for asking me that first. <laughs> You're um, welcome. I, Quite welcome. <laughs> I want no part of uh, Oakland at Arizona. So if Rams versus Chiefs is like Mayweather versus Pacquiao, this game is Chloe versus Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Arizona is a five-point favorite in this game. Would they be a five-point favorite against Alabama? Like, this team is not good. and But yet, I mean, the narrative with Oakland is, oh, they're tanking, and, you know, Gruden's in there in his first year. And, you know, I think he's done some interesting things with getting all these first-round picks for next year. And, um, and you know, there's some underlying metrics that suggest Oakland isn't as bad as, as they appear to be uh, on the scoreboard. But... I mean, I want no part of this game. We got into that conversation this week on, on a numbers game on VEASAN. I think we did throughout the whole network because Jeff Sherman at the Westgate 
and John Murray at the Westgate got into this whole hypothetical, and this happens about once a year. What happens if the best team in college football played the worst team in the pros? And before this past weekend, the Buffalo Bills were the target, right? Before uh, you knew that it was going to be a route of the Jets. So it was Alabama versus the Bills. What would be that line? And John Murray came out with 35, to which Jeff Sherman responded, uh, no, I'd go 28 and a half. As, as if, as if hey, Chrissy Andrews heard the 28 and a half over at the South Point. He goes, really, a half? Like you've got it, you've got it calibrated that much that you put a half on it? Anyway, it's, it's a ridiculous conversation as always. No, but, that, but that's kind of fun, right? Because like Alabama's got the better quarterback, and not by a little bit well, in that match. Well, we always say, here's the thing that we always say. I always preface it by saying, listen, it's a hypothetical. It's never going to happen. So in that respect, it's dumb. But I, I am the one person who does say after that, at least at our network, who says, but it is a fascinating, it is fascinating to note that if that game, let's say, did happen, that the handle, just like Mayweather-McGregor, would be through the roof. People would bet on it like crazy. And it's a reflection of how our brains are wired, right? It's part of the human condition. We love that conversation. We love two things from two different disciplines pitted against each other. That fascinates us. By the way, he went on to say the Cleveland Cavaliers versus Duke the Duke Blue Devils, who have played at that time just one basketball game against Kentucky, <laughs> and he said, and he said, Cavaliers minus twenty two and a half. <laughs> I love, really? I love, I love the number minus twenty two and a half. I'll take plus twenty two and a half. Will you really? Oh yeah, man, Zion is good. R.J. Barrett is great too. My goodness, that Duke Blue that Devils was- team. Literally, I saw one game against Kentucky, and I was like, the college basketball season is over. I don't need to see any more. It was really that impressive. I mean, it really I, was. Know, never want to make, never want to make too much of one game. But man, they were impressive. It's all I need to see. The, the <laughs> it's it's all an exhibition from here on out. Uh, by the way, William Hill offering will they go undefeated at twenty to one? Not nearly high enough for me. Not nearly high enough. All right, Marco. Same question. Which of these games do you want no part of? Uh, it, it's 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 probably going to be a, a sweep. It, you can't play a game like this where. You know what Oakland's intentions are, and that's to tank. I mean, it's clear what they're doing, but do you want to lay this number with Arizona? You you just can't with an offense. How can you lay points with a team that has scored 14, 18, 10, 17 in the last four games and ask them to cover a number? Well, I guess you could do it against a team that scored six and three in their last two games, but uh, I can't do it. If Oakland has any pride, if I'm a player on that team, and you know, you everybody's got to hear it because it's there's not one single talk show that has not talked about well, this is the one game Oakland definitely has to lose if they want to secure the the number one you know <laughs> uh, draft pick. Blah blah blah. They've heard that stuff. You know what's going to end up happening? They're going to lose. It's going to be on a late field goal, <laughs> and it'll probably sneak in under the number. I'm not. I'm not there. Forget uh, it. I won't even watch this game. I do not buy. First of all, I, how many times will Red Zone show this game? I wonder. In the course of the entire game, I wonder how many times they'll flip to it. I was all over Gruden being a clown before the season. I never bought into it. And this whole thing where they're like, oh, this was the plan to trade all these players and accumulate these draft picks, that's a hunk of bullshit too. Because that wasn't their plan. Their plan was to be competitive. They traded for Jordy Nelson. Their season win total was eight and a half. And then when they started sucking 
and they made the ridiculous decision to trade Khalil Mack, that's when their plan quickly became, oh my God, it's like a slippery slope to hell. Yeah, that's been our plan all the way. Yeah, we just want to accumulate draft picks. Here's the other thing about accumulating draft picks. You actually have to have people who know how to pick players. By the time they, by the time they get here to Vegas, they are going to be a skeleton of crap. Like, it's just going to be miserable once they get to Vegas. They will not have Derek Carr by that time either. Ace, which game you want no part of? Uh, that one's actually more bettable to me than, than Tampa Bay and the New York Giants. I mean, that's a game I want no parts of. I mean, the Giants won their Super Bowl last Monday night. That, that's the only game that, that matters. Uh, I mean, they got Philly and Washington left on their schedule, but they're playing for nothing. They won Monday night football. That's a, a moral victory for them. Um, and then you got Tampa Bay. There's a team that's minus 21 in turnovers over the last seven weeks. Just think about that. Minus 21 in turnovers. For those last seven games, they've turned the ball over at four times per game. Four of the seven. You can't win football games like that. You can't, I mean, we know just going in, if you could foresee who's going to win the turnover battle, you'll cash six out of ten tickets. Um, and this team turns it over three or four times a game. Uh, so I can't bet Tampa Bay at a pick them pretty much. And I can't bet the Giants either after last week getting their win. And more and you, you, Finally, the last fact, last year these two teams played, Tampa was minus two and a half. They won by two, landed right there on the number. This is a game I want nothing to do with uh, to stay away from me. Yeah, Giants on the short week after uh, beating the Niners in the final minute on Monday night for their second win of the year. Tampa Bay, if you see that Tampa Bay Redskins box score from last week, Tampa Bay gained 499 yards of offense, scored three points. We have not seen that in our lifetime. Turnover margin, as you point out, Ace, minus four. That's all mattered. 16 to three. Redskins, paper tight. Every week. They're three or four turnovers every week from that team. Skins, 16 to three win. Paper Tiger atop the NFC East by two games. <laughs> two games. Skins. By the way, do you think the Skins get there? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. They got to play the uh, Eagles twice. That ain't good. Uh, we shall see. Man, what an interesting week because, again, as you look down this slate, we just, we just mentioned all the games that were above four points. Uh, Green Bay, Seattle, Thursday night, three points. Carolina, Detroit is four. Dallas, Atlanta, three with extra juice. Cincinnati, Baltimore, we don't know. Minnesota, Chicago, we talked about, two and a half. Tennessee, Indianapolis, one and a half in favor of the Colts. Houston, Washington, Houston by three on the road. Tampa Bay and the Giants, Giants by one at home. On and on and on. And then, of course, the Monday night or the Rams, three and a half point favorites. It's just a, man, it is a field goal league. It is a game of Plinko. I hope the Plinko lands in the uh, slot that you needed to this weekend. Good luck with all your bets in the NFL. And as always, for Ace and Marco and Ed, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.